Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. What a day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is the day that the Lord has made, and this is the day that anything is possible. Because we serve a God of the impossible. And whatever you're going through, whatever situation, whatever trial you are going through, He is more than enough. Amen. Miss Hannah, how are you doing this morning? Um, I'm feeling a little uh the congestion, mm-hmm. but I... I I believe it's not, I'm not actually sick. I think it's just the congestion. It's in, that in time the chest, of the year. But um, I'm thankful, though, speaking of that, that we that sickness hasn't hit our household. Yep. Because there's a lot that are sick right now. Um, and there's been a lot that have been sick around, me, around us. Um, so I am thankful that the Lord has kept us healthy <laughs> during this time. Because there's a lot sick right there now. There is a lot of sick. And um, we're praying for them and... Um, but if I sound a little wonky, it's because of the <laughs> the congestion. So, <clears throat> oh, you don't you don't sound wonky yet. <clears throat> we'll see how this day progresses. Uh, Mr. Jacob, how are you doing? Doing good. How about you all? Uh, we're doing well. If you want to <coughs> listen live into the radio Box Two Radio Network, you can listen live at ninety one point five Litchfield Hardinsburg, ninety eight point three Owensboro, Kentucky. 91.1 Highsville, Glasgow area, or you can download our radio listening app. That's available on Tithely Church app. So if you go to your app store, type in Tithely, T-I-T-H-E, period, L-Y, church app. There's two different apps. There's one giving app, and then there's a church app. Go to the church app, which is the navy blue. Is that correct, Hannah? Uh-huh. Yes. <clears throat> and then type in Box 2 Network. Once you do that, it'll ask you to change once you <laughs> confirm that's the last time you have to do all that. It's there on your phone, and you have access to our podcast. You have access to our prayer wall, to the Bible on there. You've got um, events page there. Oh, goodness, what else am I missing? Um, there's quite a few things um, accessible through the app that was not through the previous app. So you we're got really, Sunday sermons on yep, there. You got those. Um, and so a lot of accessibility on the app that wasn't previously there. Or if you can listen live on www.box2number2radio.com. Or to interact or call, you can call or text me at 270-230-6337. Of course, the, the preferred way is text. Um, it's easier to get those done on the air. But if you ever want to in- interact, ask a Bible question, um, insert a biblical commentary or opinion about something we are talking about, you can text me again at 270-230-6337. There's also the events page um, on our app, and that is updated right now. So um, on each event that we talk about in the morning, it'll have the information, a picture on there with it, and then also the address, the GPS for you. So that's that honestly is one of my favorite parts yeah. of the app. I like the little GPS thing. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, it'll take you right there. Um, Pleasant View Baptist Church, December's 15th, having their A Christmas Cantana. <laughs> Cherish that name beginning at 7 o'clock p.m. Um, that will be an amazing event that night. Cherish the name, Christmas Cantata, Pleasant View Baptist Church, right there in McQuaidy, Kentucky. If you need directions, you can call the station and get more. Um, we'll be able to point you right there and give you correct address to type into your GPS or give you directions if you prefer that. Starts at 7 o'clock, December 15th. Um, Hannah, tell them about our play here on the 13th. Yes, so we got our play coming up on the 13th, starting at 6, and then we will have some refreshments. I think we're going to have some soup and different things, too, and then some sweets, and 
Um, that'll be good. Hot chocolate, I think, uh, is what I've heard. I'm not in charge of this part of the play, but I'm in charge of the singing. Um, but what I've heard is good. Um, and um, so it's going to be good. We're having a mixture of singing, um, narration, and the kids are just so cute. I can't wait to see them in their costumes. Um, this is a nativity story. So this is walking through um, the nativity and things leading up to that nativity. And, of course, it, this script is maybe a little different than what some other scripts you've heard before with a, primarily adults acting out the nativity play because we have primarily younger kids all the way up to some high, some high school kids, a few of them. Um, but they're... Um, they're working on it, and it'll be the nativity, and we're excited. We're very excited, excited yes. for that. And then Clarkson Community on December 9th, <clears throat> uh, chili cook-off. I mean, not chili cook-off. Ch- chili supper, free of charge, no omission, and it's a walk through the Bible wax museum. So I think that's really cool. Uh, from what I can gather, they'll have different scenes from the scripture set up. Yes. And they'll just be um, standing there as wax, fig- wax figures, and you'll be able to walk through some of those scenes. That's really cool. All that begins at 6. It'll be 6 through 8 on December the 9th. Again, Chili Supper provided no omission, no charge, free of charge, wants to reach out to the community. This Saturday, CASA, which is um, it's it's an advocate group for children. We did an interview on Monday um, about that. And um, <clears throat> if you want to go back and learn more about CASA, you're welcome to. Go back to the podcast and lin- listen from Monday. But Casa Candy Cane 5K Run, December the 3rd, 7.30 a.m. starts that, and that's to raise funds for the Casa. So it's a group of volunteers that become children advocate. Actually, it's um, court-appointed. Court I'm trying to remember what the S stands for because I know it's court-appointed advocate. But I can't remember the S. Maybe special. special. I think it's special advocate. <laughs> special advocate. Um, and for, but it's, it's not solely just for foster kids, but it is a lot of those in the foster care system that have those cone appointed service advocates, um, or special advocates just to make sure they're getting the care and nurturing that they need. So great, great program. And uh, I'm very thankful it's there to protect the kiddos and make sure, because I'll be honest with you, sometimes foster kids get lost in the system and Mm -hmm. these guys are supposed to be here to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so appreciate them. And if you want to go and support that candy cane run this sun- Saturday morning, 7.30 a.m. And then continue to have special prayer for Brother Todd Mingus, again, the host of Hope for Today. Um, that's on Thursday at 8.30. It's a bilingual program, and it reaches a lot in the um, local jails around here. And he's in Honduras right now. And, well, he's probably on a plane still. Or he's flying out. And so we're praying for him. Travel mercies, but a very anointed, productive trip for the kingdom. Amen. Um, he'll be going to the jungle for a few days and train some pastors up there. Um, he'll go up the river <clears throat> between Nicaragua and Honduras. And then he will go up into the jungle and train some pastors there. Then he'll come back down. And at that point, he will progress into where he'll be doing the VBS. And he told me there's a couple more churches added late. So I don't know the grand total. If Miss Sue's listening, maybe she could text me the grand total. But I'm wanting to say 13 to 14, 15 different churches and well over 1,000 kids wow. are going to be involved wow. in the next two weeks. And so just an, just an amazing thing going on in Honduras. And just want to ask you guys to continue to pray for Brother Todd Mingus as he's gone and as he's serving the kingdom down there and building the kingdom. And 
Um, one one kid said the thing we love about Todd, and this is a kid from Honduras who's now a young man serving, is he came back every year. Yeah. And I think that's awesome um, to the same spot every year. Weather today, definitely a lot warmer, high 52 and a low of 34. Sunny, though. Um, verse of the day. I put a whole Psalm 100 in because I love it. <laughs> Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endure to all generations. Love that verse. Always loved that verse. Um, There was a song, uh, oh gosh, probably 15, 20 years ago that was widely popular and even kind of like mainlined a movie that was done. But it was, you know, um, how how's that go? I can't sing. Um, is oh, what is? How, um, what song you think? We used to sing it a lot. <clears throat> His mercy endureth forever. Yeah, I think of the yeah. Lord. You are good. That's and it. Your mercy. That's it right there. For or endureth forever. But I'm trying to remember the movie. Hmm. Um. I think we've talked about the movie maybe. briefly before. It's like a, a guy who becomes a secular popular singer, but he grew up in the church, and then he comes back to the church. I'll have to look at that. It was a really popular movie in Christianity for, uh, I guess when I first got born again, it was very, uh-huh. so that's, that was probably about 15, 16, 17 years ago. But um, there was a lot of really, it was, it was a good movie. It was a really awesome. good movie. Um, I love that song. That's actually one that we now we've been out of it for a while, but we had been gathering and having like <clears throat> the gospel song dance like to gospel songs with some of the ladies, and that was one that was it's really upbeat that song, so it was a fun one a fun one um <clears throat> I'm looking up this movie <laughs> uh i I want to find it um. I still want to know what a 5K. How far is that? Three point. Jason think it was three point two miles. I think it's. Whew. I think it's something like that. Mm. It's called. It, it's called the gospel. That's what it is. The gospel. Yeah, and it's see it, live it, spread it. Uh, see it, live it, spread it. It's good. But it's a really good movie. I would. I mean, I, which I haven't watched it in years, so maybe it's not as good as I remember. But a lot of times that happens on movies. You think a movie's really good, yeah. and you go back and watch, you think, uh. <laughs> Don't know about this one. Quote of the day is a quote by Tim Keller. Jesus took the tree of death so you could have the tree of life. Amen. Um, and then our guest today, Pastor Caleb Weaver. He's the new pastor from Faith Redeemed in Litchfield, Kentucky. Um, it's located about, I would say, about a half a mile on the left past Taco Bell, um, driving towards Aneta. So um, it's where I, it's my... It's the church I grew up in. Cut my teeth. Um, they they just recently, a year or so, got rid of their pews because I would say until they got rid of there, there was a couple teeth marks in those pews for me probably. Um, I know at least one time I hit my mouth and made teeth marks. Um, <laughs> but I have a lot of um, I have a lot of really great memories in that church. It's a very special church to me, and um, and so I'm very thankful to have met Pastor Caleb the other day and had an opportunity to kind of help them out with something down there. And so it's just um, it's going to be a great great time to meet him and let you guys meet him 
as the community and um, a new pastor in the area moved in from Michigan. And so um, it's about a mile and a half from my yeah. house. He's about 30 years old, has a young wife and a young child. And so um, that's that's a big step to oh, be yeah. such a young couple with a young child and move nine, ten hours away from home and knowing nobody. And so um, where did you say he moved from? Michigan. Wow. He he was on the outskirts of Detroit. So he didn't live in Detroit. He, he explained this to me, but he said the town that he did live in. Most people don't know that. So he said just kind of outside of Detroit because it was like an outskirt kind of deal. Um, but <clears throat> big, big trip move, uh, big move for them. Um, but I love his heart, his passion. He is hungry. And so um, we're going to come in here and let him share a little bit about himself, let the community meet him, and yeah. also get his vision out there of what God has given him for Faith Redeemed, com- formerly known as Litchfield Church of God. Um, we are <coughs> in Hebrews chapter 7, and we'll be starting in verse 4. It's kind of where we left off yesterday. Um, but good, we had a, I enjoyed yesterday's conversation with... Pastor Josh and his his manna was really good yesterday, um, and then our guest uh, George Witten was um, there. Just there's never enough time. <laughs> Once he gets going, there's just oh, yeah. never enough time. So he is going to be back with us tomorrow to keep going. Um, Greg Carwell said, "Why don't you just tell him to start at seven? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "I don't know if we can do all the way from seven. Um, he's got time restraints too, but um, we are going to try to." I may try to text him today and see if he'll come on an extra 15 or maybe even come on at 8 and we can keep talking and dialoguing because um, he has so much um, information concerning Israel and Hamas right now. And, you know, you could even tell yesterday he had information that was sensitive that he couldn't really. So he's trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to say it without yeah. um, saying it. But but it's not just information that he has, which he has tons of it. He also has revelation and um, he has a lot of insight to prophetically where we are at and what God is doing in the earth. And um, I think that's what I love the most is when he starts to bring this all prophetically because he will start to unravel from the old to the new, what's going on, and then bring it all the way into where we're at today. And <clears throat> his statement of yesterday about um, talking about Chuck Smith and, and how Chuck Smith fathered that whole hippie generation and how now a lot of those generations have grown up and started to father people and how where we're at today is a whole generation of grandfathers that have fathered others and now there's a whole generation of fathers that are finally starting to rise up and wake up and say this thing's got to be bigger than a church service and so um it was a it was awesome revelation that he was um how did they say it in rap? He was spitting out yesterday uh he was spitting bars (laughs) And it was it was really rich and really no good. So he's going to be back on with us tomorrow. Very excited for that. Then Friday, of course, Mr. Bjork will be on for his science department. I got to see Starlink. Anybody see that last night as it flew over? No. Uh-huh. It was. Um, have you ever seen Starlink flow over? Uh-uh. It's really cool. We was too much in the Kentucky game. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kentucky played last night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they did good. They blew them out. Oh. I didn't even know they were a thing anymore. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, Jeff Shepard's son's playing. You know the one that, yeah, Shepherd Boy. Shepherd Boy, he's awesome. He's making all kinds of noise around the country. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad Kentucky basketball still exists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we won't talk about Louisville right now. 
They got beat by Chattanooga, didn't they? Well, I mean, they're just having a lot of problems with Kenny, Kenny Payne, which I think Kenny Payne's a great coach. I just I don't know. I don't know what's going on in, in the city of Louisville with the basketball team right now. They're not happy. Um, but Starlink, though, it's kind of like uh, Miss Gretchen drove through the parking lot last night, and she told me Starlink should be coming through any minute. Hmm. She missed it, and she was too far gone for me to tell her. And even if I called her, it would be gone by the time I even got her. So I don't know if she actually got to see it or not, but it was – it flew, and I say it flew over our tower. Oh, wow. it really didn't fly on our tower. I mean, it's <laughs> a it long like ways up there. <laughs> one of the satellites they launched, or yeah, but it's like it's a group of satellites. Yeah, and um, Starlink's huge. Yeah, there's and so, many so you thousands. see this, you you see this big old straight line of blue lights, and it really does look like a UFO kind of deal. Like it is so cool to see, yeah. and it moves so fast, um, and it just. I've seen it a lot. I mean, I probably this is probably the eighth or tenth time I've seen it, eight, nine, tenth time or something like that. And every time, it's just it's so cool. Wow, it's really neat. If you ever an opportunity to watch Starlink pass over, last night was a good night because it was pretty clear skies. Um, when we was in Jacksonville, it's the only thing I regret not doing because I think we were so tired um, just from having kids and actually not having kids for two nights <laughs> that you just we went to bed at six thirty and eight. Um, went to sleep, and so, but I, that's one thing I did, I regret not doing, and going out into the middle of the national park at night because there's no lights, and they say the amount of stars you can see at that point is mind blowing, <clears throat> and there was a there was supposed to have been a possibility to see the northern lights one night, and we should have gone. Oh man, we fell asleep. Um, but it was is. Starlink's really cool. Again, I'm sure Mr. Bjork will probably talk a little bit about that. I know there's some other things going on in the the realm of space right now. Um, I got to, I don't get to to talk to Mr. Bjork anymore on that because Jason covers that because we're in chapel. But uh, I also saw something really cool today. Then we'll get into Hebrews. I got to watch a spacewalk. Like there was one they did in April or June or something like that, and they released some footage on it. And that was really neat. Like, have you ever watched a spacewalk before? Um, no. Where they come out of the International Space Shuttle um, Space Station, which actually I saw the International Space Station. I guess it was like a month or two ago. You saw, you could see that in the sky too, and that mm. was so neat. Mm. Um, it was, it was, it was different than Starlink because it didn't move like that. Like Starlink's like, I guess the best way you can stay like imagine Starlink is like a Santa Claus and his sleigh but with blue lights and it's just soaring because <laughs> it's really moving. The international space station similar cause it's kind of straight lights, yeah. but they're more clear and it don't move as fast. And so I remember seeing that one night and that was really neat. But this guy, of course they got out of the international space station. You saw him hooking himself off and then you were able to see him tether out there. And um, you saw the <laughs> earth in the background. That was really neat. Like yeah. it really was neat. And, um, I like that too, and so I was gonna. I don't get to chat with stuff like this with Mister Bjork anymore, so I got to talk to myself. Um, <laughs> all right, we are in Hebrews chapter seven, verse four is where we will begin. Let me get my um, my phone over to it. What do we do without the Bible on our phone? I don't know. I love it. I'm very thankful for it. It's it's too. it's much easier. Um. So we talked yesterday about Melchizedek and how he, um, you know, it'll hurt me to say this, Brother Wells, 
Feels like somebody's stepping on my toe. But he has a pretty good argument about this, like, um, made like the Son of God. Um, I'm looking more into that. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, about <clears throat> whether it's a Christophany or somebody in there. Um, and Brother Ron believed that he was... A Christophany. Yeah. But um, me and Jason Miller has said repeatedly, like, we kind of have sides one day we'll lean to, but we really don't know. But Brother Wells made a pretty good argument yesterday for... Melchizedek being a shadow and a figure of the Christ to come as in a being a king and a priest at the same time. But there was definitely things that, you know, Melchizedek definitely did not line up with when it came to Christ. Um, for example, uh, Jesus operated not just in a king and a priest. He also operated as a prophet. And those are the three Old Testament offices king priest and prophet and so jesus did that melchizedek did melchizedek offer operated as a king and a priest yeah but here he says now and then of course we're we're it's 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 brought up because abraham was leaving war bringing his spoils home and he tithed his spoils to melchizedek so that's where we're at number four now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch abraham gave a tenth of the spoils and indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So again, they're still talking about Melchizedek. Now, what the writer of Hebrews is really doing here is he's making parallelism and comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek, and how eventually, you know, um, Jesus is becoming our great high priest. That's a really a big theme throughout the book of Hebrews, is Jesus becoming our high priest, who has made atonement for our sin, who has made, um, who has, for say, for example, we believe that his blood, he put his blood on the mercy seat himself. Mm-hmm. We believe he made atonement. Um, we don't believe that. Well, we don't need another sacrificial system. We don't need another priest to make a sacrifice for us. Hebrews will eventually tell us he is the once and for all sacrifice. But not only is he the sacrifice, he was the high priest who gave his own life because he told us, no one takes my life, I lay it down. And then he takes his own blood as the high priest, puts it on the, the altar, Puts it on the, um, what? Help me out here. Um, well, mercy, seat. mercy seat. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I went blank. <laughs> See, I just said it, so I know what I'm talking about. Just went blank. Um, put it on the mercy seat, and he, as high priest, atoned for our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll never need another high priest to atone because his sacrifice was perfect, and it is always sufficient. And um, this is where he's going to get to. But right now, he's talking about Melchizedek. And he's saying, how great of a man must this have been if Abraham did stop, pay tithes to him from the spoils because paying tithes to somebody was a really big deal because that was really only supposed to be the Levites. And they came from the loins of Abraham or the genealogy lineage. And so he's saying they had some, they were called and commanded by God to be priests and to receive tithes and do all this in the temple. Melchizedek, though, 
who was not coming from the tribe of Levi. We don't know his mother and father. We don't know his lineage. We don't know his genealogy. We don't even know where he come from. We just know he was the king of Salem and a high priest. And then all of a sudden, Abraham pays tithes of the spoils of war that he just left during those days. So this cat must have been a pretty important figure. Mm -hmm. I agree. But the problem is we really don't know much about him besides very few limited scriptures that tell us who he was. And, but we really don't know anything. And it's not even scripture's fault. This is just saying even Abraham himself seemingly didn't look like he knew where he came from. He was just high priest and king of Salem. Um, now, beyond all... Con- y'all just going to stop. Jump in here if y'all want to say anything. Okay. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Anybody got anything? No, I'm just like, I'm just soaking it in. I'm looking up stuff on Melchizedek. I'm just thinking about how much that he's mentioned with Jesus. <coughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> like, if he was just mentioned absent of Jesus, you know, it would be different. But he just keeps being mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, so anything that's repetitive and anything that's... I'm trying to find the verses that... T- it's ones that we've already read that talk about Jesus. But... It it just make it we can't we can't ignore. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean we can't ignore anything, but we can't just like shrug it off, you know. Like we yeah. have to we have to pay attention to it. Yep. Well, I mean, like it goes back even to Genesis. That's what I was just reading. You know, where he he brought forth bread and wine. I'm not trying to get away from Hebrews, but I'm just, just you know, um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it's awesome to to really study up on people like. Melchizedek, because you're kind of like, hmm, this guy's interesting. You know, he's different than than all the other kings. You know, he's that's where I think that a lot of people talk about him being a Christophany, and you know them. He, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's it's interesting because we're we're left with a lot of like you said, limited stuff about this man, mm-hmm. and but he, they're given these. You know, he had to be somebody of a great, you know, they call him the great, this great, how great this man was. And I'm thinking, man, you know, like if Abraham's doing, coming in through and giving these ties to him, could, could it be, you know, like what Jacob wrestled with an angel of the Lord, you know, a Christophany, which we believe that the angel of the Lord was like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm, I don't know. I mean, just. I'm not trying there's, to ramble. There's a verse that I read that we haven't got to yet that I feel like is, well, I won't go there. <laughs> but it kind of helps when you're thinking of it. Because I never really understood the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And that's mentioned multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's getting right to coming up. Yeah, and it's yeah. coming up. So, But whenever <laughs> I read it, it kind of made more sense. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to go to break, but the one thing that we can figure out right now is there is a priestly order of yeah. Melchizedek. 
and it seems to be superior to that of the Levites. And I think that's what he's actually saying right here because the Levites paid tithes mm-hmm. to Abraham. And if they paid, I mean, through Abraham, because when they paid tithes through Abraham to Melchizedek, it was because he was in their loins. Yeah, They were in his loins. And there's generational, um, uh, let's see, make sure I use, I want to make sure I word this right because there's really not a word we use for it. There's, tra- there's generational transcendency, I guess you could say, which means that things that trans generations do transcends or moves through generations um transcendental transcendentalization um it could be i i would just say i just like to use the word transcends because it kind of moves throughout like it it kind of goes it's sent um and it's you know it's kind of like this I, i was working with the new testament class yesterday and we were talking about second corinthians and how First Corinthians, again, he's dealing with sin, the party spirit, they call it. And um, we were talking about sin and how it's our responsibility to kill sin yeah. in our life. We're to crucify the flesh and the passion, the, the fleshly desires and the passion. And so we were talking about this yesterday, and I, I was talking about how sins that are not killed in infancy always produces generational curses. And so... I was trying to get them to understand that, like, sins they can pit, commit now will influence their children they have 20 years from now. Yeah. Mm. Because sins tolerated in infancy always matures into adulthood, and then they take a root and they create generational curses. And so that's the sinful side. I believe blessing is just the same, though. The things we do in this life that are right and righteous and just will create generational blessing. So when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, it creates a generational blessing throughout yeah. the Levitical order, and they, in essence, pay tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham because it said that he was in his loins, yeah. and or they were in his loins. And so there was generational blessing done. So what we do as parents and what we do as uh, men and women of God prior to being parents they also create generational influence. Mm-hmm. And because um, we are no longer just living for ourselves, we're living for each other. We're living mm-hmm. for Christ first and foremost, but then we live for each other. And um, this is where humility, pride, arrogance, selfishness, all of these things Scripture speaks against so often, that's why they're such a big deal. Because... If you just live for yourself, you are solely one-tracked, um, guided, dictated by your emotions. You will do what feels good, and you don't care about anything else. And that's a very dangerous thing to leave. So I want to create generational blessing for my family, not generational curses. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do think we need to go on. Oh, we have to go to break. <laughs> but get back to the cherishing and um, the... I don't know why I can't think of a word, but cherishing the bloodline, like cherishing our heritage, cherishing our families, our generations, because that was something that's so important in Jewish culture is the generational blessings, the generations, because they were so family oriented and appreciative of the, the bloodline, the heritage that God gave them. And I think it's because they were always looking out for their next generation. Mm -hmm. Not always. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we got our first trivia question of the morning. Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who fell through a lattice before he was sick and inquired of the god Beelzebub if he would recover? Who fell through a lattice because he was sick and inquired of the god Beelzebub if he would recover? Again, this gets your name in for that drawing for the two adult tickets and three a ticket kids tickets to the Ark Encounter. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Welcome back in on this beautiful, beautiful November 29th, 2023. It's going to be a pretty day, high of 52 and a low of 35, warmed up a little bit from yesterday. Don't have an answer yet for the first trivia question. Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Again, this will get your name in for those drawings for the three kid and two adult Ark Encounter tickets with parking sponsored um the friday the wednesday question number one sponsored by the same bank now brother greg was generous enough to donate those tickets but who fell through a lattice because he was sick and inquired of the god beelzebub if he would recover again who fell through a lattice because he was sick and required of the god beelzebub if he would recover 270-257-2689. We will give it our best attempt to answer while we're on the air. Um, if not, then you're welcome to call in during the next break. But we are going to push forward. We have some Bible Q&A. And again, Pastor Caleb Weaver is on with us at 830 this morning from Faith Redeemed, formerly known as Litchfield Church of God there in Litchfield, Kentucky. New pastor, been there for about a month or so, and um, doing a phenomenal job down there. And so excited to very much to discuss all right we'll do our oh and don't forget um i want to make sure i get this out and hannah why don't you tell them how they can get their prayer requests submitted for the 9 30 a.m prayer yes so um wednesday warriors today it's always at 9 30 on wednesdays unless we're having like a shutdown week so we'll be back today and you can um go on our church app if you have it and you can um go to our prayer wall uh, you see a picture on our app of the two people holding hands in prayer um and so you can put that add those on the app and that's a really easy way for you to do that but then also um you can text me at 270-589-7933 and that's a, a probably the best way because i'm right in here my phone's with me so i can see it a lot quick quicker that way um and then depending on if we have somebody here helping out answer the phones the number to call the station is 270-257-2689 and so you can engage that way and get your prayer requests in um and a lot of people will text me if they already have my number but again if you don't have my number 270 five eight nine seven nine three three and um we will stand in the gap and pray with you we have some regular listeners um that listen every wednesday that will pray with you um and come into agreement um for the lord to do what only he can do in your life amen all right well that was our answer for the first trivia question miss lisa ashbaugh got it right a uh, hazy eye was the answer for that uh, for Second Kings one two, fell through the lattice and then 
try to inquire of Beelzebub. It's probably not the smartest one to inquire of. Um, just saying. <laughs> All right, and again, those are the ways to get your prayer requests submitted for today's 930 30 minutes of live prayer here on the Box 2 Radio Network following Miss Jeannie and Miss Karen with Raise a Hallelujah and preceding Johnny Embry and crew with Home Church at 10. So um, good stuff. We love that we have an opportunity to pray and um, have that live season of prayer each Wednesday morning at 30 minutes. One of these days we've discussed opportunities how to increase that, but we'd have to change the time slot. So um, we've looked at that a little bit. So we're we're working on it, but right now we're very blessed to at least have the 30 minutes season of live prayer for you to get your prayer request and get in there and they'll pray over that. So um, morning's questions. Um, we'll start out with this one. Um, somebody had asked the question, should I discuss demons and deliverance with my kids? Um does somebody else want to take this first? Or you want me to to lead in, and then I'll tell you what I, I I'll tell you. Well, I, I see it, and you can you go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I mean, I discuss it with them. I mean, I'm not trying to, maybe not to the to the level of where they don't understand exactly, you know, all the depthness of stuff, but I do tell them that they the demons are real, and that we're not to mess around with that stuff. You know, you're. You can, they can recognize, and they'll know. They know. They know what they're looking at. And deliverance side of things, I think you just kind of got to work with them and, and to help them to understand. But I watched them even, I think they, I watched them at a tent revival, and they were praying for each other through that. And they were, remember that, <laughs> Hannah? That was funny. Yeah. I love, I love seeing these kids. I mean, because they don't have a Holy Ghost Junior. They have the Holy Ghost, just like everybody, you know, just like you and me. So I believe that they can also um, sense things. Now, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. For me, the simple answer is anything that's in the Word, I believe we need to discuss with our kids. Now, just like any sermon that you would preach to a kid, you're going to change the delivery um, in in terms that they will understand. You're probably not going to use the most um, yeah. intellectual words <laughs> to, and theological terms to describe it. But I think that because it's, it is biblical that we need to discuss it with them. Um, and just to, so that they aren't kept in the dark. And I, I believe this with parenting in general, and I know I'm young, but this is just from observing and just from thinking about parenting if you don't explain something to your kid first then somebody else is going to True. so would you rather <coughs> would you rather be the one that's getting to disciple them or are you going to let them be discipled by just anybody yeah that's my viewpoint on it <clears throat> well i have my kids are fully aware of demonic activity and um and the issue of of deliverance now, one thing I don't like my kids to do is to watch deliverances yeah. um, on television or if you're watching them on movies or anything like that. I actually don't let my kids do too much. Now, if they come in the room and they see it, I don't, like, screw them out because then they make them feel awkward and weird. Um, but I, I don't do that because I, I, I don't – the one thing I don't want my kids to do is just grow up looking for demons. Yeah. And so be 
I don't want be, I don't want my kids to be more demon conscious than they are God conscious. So I want them the force first and foremost to be God conscious. Yeah. And so and I think I mean I think that about any Christian we should be we should be an infinite amount more God conscious than we are demon conscious. And I think a lot of people know demons more than they know God. And and so we can't fall on that unbalance either. So my kids are fully aware of it. Um, I don't, and I'm not critiquing anybody that lets them watch. I just don't, which I'll be honest with you, I I don't sit there on YouTube and watch deliverances anyways because most of them are showy and I don't even think half of them's real. Um, And if you put a little puff cloud out of Batman (laughs) on your deliverance movie, then you need a lot more than just... Um, not my kids watching it. You probably need some deliverance yourself. And so I think that you have to be cautious of all that. So I, I'm, I think that you should definitely disciple, teach, and instruct your kids concerning these things. Yeah. But I don't think the thing you want you to do is create such a demon consciousness to your kids that that's what they grow up believing Christianity is about. Yeah. Like that it's, it's about the glory of God. Um, and I want my kids to know the glory of God more than just deliverance. So, like, I think all of this is trying to disciple wholly into what my kids are going to grow up into. Yeah. And I do think that we can protect them. And um, I think we have to be – now, I will say this. I think you have to be extremely careful what your kids are watching yes. and seeing. Yes. Um, and I, I'm going to say – I mean, like, horror movies, yes, 100%. I let them watch the come out in Jesus name movie. I didn't, I didn't care if they watched that, but there's some things that are coming out that I don't think kids should watch. And even things that appear to be good. I try to protect my kids the most I can. Some people critique me of that saying, well, that's sheltering your kids. No, that's protecting my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that we have to be careful what we're watching and what our kids are watching. At the, uh, at the end of the day, what are we setting an example for for our children? You know, we got to be careful what they're looking at. But if they don't see dad going after God and praising God, not just at church, but at home, everything I do, I'm leading my family. I'm the head of my home. So they're watching daddy. You know, they're watching mama too, but they're watching daddy. How's daddy dealing with this? How's daddy doing this? Now, have I been perfect at anything? Probably uh, less perfect than anything. But. I always tell them, I said, you know, you're not always, you're going to probably mess up, but it's not in how how you sat down and you lay down, it's how you get back up. I said, we have to keep our focus on Jesus. And I mean, that to me, when they do that, but you also discuss, hey, these demons are real. And if you do do something that you're not supposed to do and you've let that come inside of you there's deliverance through that and they understand that and i think that to me is we have to lead we have to lead the family Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of like aaron said a lot of people i hate saying it but a lot of people let the phones lead their kids Mm -hmm. and the schools will teach them every ungodly thing you can think of i mean i i know i hate saying that but the schools are teaching your kids whatever you know what through this through that school system and the some of the i even heard people in a public school system says you know they they want to teach kids certain these great values but they they have to be careful because they 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 can get in trouble Mm -hmm. so they have to go by what you know we've had schools throughout the bible years ago 
can't teach the Bible in schools. Now, I think that they get it back where they can teach it a little bit now. Well, they can teach it just has to be as a historical textbook. Yeah. So, I mean, but but they indoctrinate our kids. They they think that we've indoctrinated them through the scripture. I said, but you're indoctrinating with your doctrine. So it's almost kind of like I want them to, to know what the truth is yeah. and not what somebody else is. Like, I mean, we've, we've, we've let them in the school system – I hate saying it, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but they've had doctrines of demons being taught to them. Whenever they have, you know, let the kids, they let them do whatever they want to do anymore. I mean, they, they rule the school now. I mean, I remember back when I was in school, it wasn't like that. You know, I mean, we had some sense of that, but there was more respect. There was more respect and honor. Yeah. For leadership. For, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've not been out that long, but I think there was more respect year a few years ago yeah for your elders and things like that but now we see that because i mean our biblical principles are more in our well have been more in our society than we've ever realized but we're starting to see they're dwindling down yeah they're exiting but coming back to the the question i i think we need to discuss everything with our kids (coughs) like even if we're not talking about this i don't think there needs to be something that we just don't that we just purposely don't discuss with our kids yeah. at all. But I do think it needs to be as a parent I've learned this. We do need to make sure they're mature enough to discuss what you're wanting to talk yeah. about with. Yeah. So you don't have conversations too early. True. Because those conversations too early introduce their stuff they're not able to comprehend yep. and then it really starts to mess with their brain. So everything has to be discussed, but I think everything has to be discussed in appropriate times. True. Because I don't if like, so one of my kids, um, they got, they, something popped up on the internet at a young age. Wasn't their fault. Wasn't really nobody's fault. It just popped up. Internet's good at that. I talked briefly about that situation. And then as he gets older, we can talk more on that conversation. Yeah. But I, I couldn't have that deeper conversation at four that I can at 14, yeah. which he's not 14 yet. But I'm just saying, they're, they're, I think every parent has to talk to them, but you can't talk too early. Yeah. Because then you'll unintentionally introduce things in their life they're not able to comprehend, True. and it will overtake them. It's to the level of their knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you know what your kids understand, what they don't. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're involved in their life, I mean, <laughs> at all. Yeah. You understand, like, something that um, Kylie, my, my third oldest, is not – she's going to understand something different than Paisley. Mm-hmm. But – at the same time, Paisley understands more than the other kids at her age because she has the older siblings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that I think there's a way to explain things in different ways. Yeah. Like, you're not going to go into the whole um, depths of what you do in a marriage with no, a kid, no. but you can still talk about marriage. Yeah. You can still talk about one woman, one man. Like, there's things that you sure might have to leave out, certain details that you might have to not discuss with them until they're older. But the topic in general, that's what I'm talking about. The topic, the topic. I think every topic that's in here, and I think there's a way. And there's help, too. I mean, there's resources that you can find for, I mean, children's ministry and um, teaching, homeschool things, Christian, you know. There's resources out there. I just think we never have an excuse to, to... just shy away from it yeah. because we don't want to deal with it. Yeah, if I've, that makes sense. I've had people, 
I've had some kids <coughs> that are young adults who come up to me and they were like, man, I wish my mom and dad would have taught me more of these things when I was a teenager. You know, and they just like some mom and dad, and there's no, I'm not critiquing because we're all still learning too. But they were like, you know, I wish my, I wish my mom or my dad would have told me more about mm-hmm. stuff. She goes, but I know now, but I wish they would have talked more about it when I was growing up. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have made the mistakes that I did. Maybe I would, but maybe I wouldn't. And I think to me, like with me, I'm, I'm pretty honest with my kids. I mean, everybody knows me. I don't shy away from nothing. And so, I mean, it's like I try to, like Braden, you know, I'll talk to him about things and he, he understands. And I think a lot of people don't want to talk about certain hard subjects and uh i think that even with my own, uh, my oldest daughter i'll talk to her about things you know how to keep things biblical how to have a relationship with uh, you know i know people are like why well, my kid ain't gonna date you know let them understand what really a man and a woman is supposed to be about and you know like i, I have to foreshadow that with me and kirstie if they don't see me and kirstie love the love that we have and, and, and embracing her, they're not going to understand that. And they're not going to look for that. So we have to set the example as a husband and wife to the kids to say, hey, this is what marriage is supposed to be about. This is this is what, you know, a union of one man and a woman, this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And this is what you look for. And not, saying, not saying, trying to say that we're like the prime example because we have a lot of faults. And I tell them that all the time. I said, when mom and dad are not, doing what we're supposed to do through Christ, I said, don't follow us. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I said, I want to show you this is biblically the way it's supposed to be. But when we act like this, this is not biblically. But it's probably going to happen somewhere down the line. In your marriage, you're going to have a disagreement. It's just how you handle it. And Mm -hmm. Well, um, we got to take a break. It's a hard break. I will say, you know, there's a couple other things I really wanted to say on this situation. We may visit some more afterwards. No, I think there's some healthy things to say, like, you know, when you have these conversations, make sure, um, especially if you're working around kids, that you're not having conversations you shouldn't be having. There's certain conversations kids need to have from their parents, and I don't care if you're their youth pastor, their Sunday school teacher, or their pastor. There are certain things you don't have a conversation with about. And now as they get closer to 17, 18, 19, 16 years old, those can be more prevalent because they're old and mature enough. But I've heard some I've heard some horror stories of Sunday school teachers stuff in good intentions yeah. overstep their boundaries. True. And youth pastors and stuff like that also overstepping their boundaries of what they're discussing and unraveling. Um, it's always got to come back to an honoring the parents on their situation. So even when I preach on a Sunday morning, there's a reason, like, you all always pick on me, why don't people preach from Song of Solomon? Well, there's a lot of times we don't preach from Song of Solomon because introduce things that kids may not be prepared for yeah. in the sanctuary, and that's a conversation that needs to be honored with their parents. But I have a question on that when we get back. Um, so we're going to come back here. Um, let's do our second question of the morning, Wednesday question number two, sponsored <coughs> by Higdon Land Survey. And when Paul sent Timothy to minister in Thessalonica, where did Paul stay? When Paul sent Timothy to minister in Thessalonica, where did Paul stay? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, we are back here on this beautiful morning. We're getting ready to 
Uh, no answer for the trivia question yet. We're getting up for our interview here at 830 with Pastor Caleb um, from Faith Redeemed. Um, we're going to hop right back into some questions to finish up this one. Um, again, we left that one saying that I personally believe that we have to honor and watch conversations we introduce to younger children, especially um, as they get older and older and older then those conversations will be had and they know them. So it's a bit more freedom to talk about some conversations. But when they're definitely younger, middle school, um, young children's age, as pastors and Sunday school teachers and lead pastors, um, it definitely you have to use wisdom on what conversations you introduce and don't introduce because um, a lot of those are their parents to disciple, not ours. Um, and that's hard sometimes. I get that. But I do think this too, though. If the question was specifically, should I discuss demons and deliverance with my kids? Um, I do think there is wisdom. Again, we've all established we think you should. All right? I do think there's wisdom on the amount your kids are around deliverance. And what I mean by that is this. If you have a deliverance service and stuff like that, I understand that. But if there's ever a moment where I go to a house to do more one-on-one deliverance, I'm not taking my kids. No. I'm not taking my kids. I am not I'm not surrounding them any more than I have to. Now I'm afraid a demon's gonna get in my kids and it hops up. No, but again, it's all wisdom and it's mm-hmm. all being led by the spirit. But I don't need to avail I don't need to avail my kids to everything that I mm-hmm. do yet. For one, they're not emotionally mature enough to deal with everything. And I mean we're not for sure we're always emotionally mature enough to deal with everything. So if, we pro- if we're struggling to process things, how much more will our kids struggle to process things? So this is where discipleship becomes important at, wisdom. Um, and I think that we, we want to grow our kids, mature our kids, but we also have the stewardship to protect our kids. Yeah. And so I think it's all wrapped up into one. And I, I do love this question. Um, I too. And I, I think it's one that needs to be had of, of how much do we do we avail our kids to it um, and how much do we protect our kids, how much truth do we spit out. And I think as they grow older, the conversation will mature and the conversation will deepen. Um, Real quick, mm-hmm. what, your statement about leaving it up to the parents. What if these kids don't have parents that, or maybe they're not even saved mm-hmm. and they're looking to you as a spiritual father or mentor? And I understand – you have to use discernment on what to say, but if you're looked at to them as somebody who is the only thing that they're getting something from, how do you go about talking to them about that? You know, how do you shy away if they're really needing something and they're not getting it at home? I mean, it's different if we have godly parents or godly people at home or or, or even if it's just a good mom and dad. That maybe they're not saved, but they have good morals. But I'm just saying if. There has to be a, a level of discernment to say, hey, these kids are looking to me as a spiritual father. So you're asking me how I would handle this? Yeah. Well, if it's if if I'm in a position of authority in the kid, so like I'm their youth pastor or their pastor, yeah. well, first and foremost, what I would do is go to the parent and, and say, them. all right, here's what it is. I noticed they're not hearing about this and they're asking questions. Yeah. How do you want me to handle it? Do you want to talk to them about it? Or do you want me to talk about it? I have had parents in congregations I was pastoring come up and say, single moms with boys, say, look, can you talk? It's about time it? for my boy to have the talk. Can you have the talk with him? Yeah. And I've had talks. All right. I honor them first and foremost. 
I honored the parent. I will go to the parent. This is where they're at. This is probably yeah. what they need to hear. Do you, do you want to cover this or do you want me to cover this? Especially if it's a single mom with boys. Sometimes they feel really awkward. Yeah. And I have, I have helped in that case a lot. Sometimes that they, the parent just kind of needs that shakeup. Now, when you go to there, you never want to sound dishonorable and like yeah. they're not doing their job. Exactly. All right, that's condescending. That's going to get you nowhere. Um, because I have basically raised kids that's not mine because their parents wasn't doing their job. Yeah. And, but I've never gone to the parent and said that. I've tried to honor them throughout the whole step. I guess I'm t- just saying, you know, like if you're – I'm not going to hide away scripture. I know Song of Solomon is crazy, but I'm just saying if we explain to them where this is from, I'm, I'm not just going to shy away from a scripture just because it's, you know, something that, well, it might not be need to be talked about. But is it, about. would you, I don't think, I don't consider it shy. Yeah. I consider it wisdom. I, I mean, I understand that, but I'm just saying When to say someone, not to say something. Yeah. Like, I feel like if we withhold things, because, I mean, there is parents out there that's not going to, they just dump their kids off, say, here, you all deal with them. I don't want to deal with them. And they're probably not going to care. Like, if you come to them, they're going to, like, you know, they don't want to have nothing to do with you. Not not every parent is going to be, like, okay. Like, I mean, if you have 100 kids in your youth group, and I get we have to use discernment, but at the same time, what if they're needing to hear that? scripturally and i'm not saying go into detail i'm saying explain to them what a marriage is supposed to be about explain to them what the boundaries of these things are now if we're talking about getting in like deep things like maybe getting too deep in there's some details that need to be withheld but i'm just saying at the sense of keeping a broad spectrum of what we're talking about hey these kids need that because well i would say anything i say on sunday morning is permissible yeah. And I've talked about some pretty rough things on Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've I've gone farther than some pastors have gone. But I do think that the, the deep conversations where you're actually talking about permissibility to do things and stuff yeah. like that, I don't even have that conversation with my premarital counseling groups. Yeah. I mean, I tell them what questions to ask, but that's not a conversation for me to have with them. That's a conversation. And Hannah's went to my premarital. She'll know. Like I said, this is the conversations you all need to have. I'm just not having it with you because it's not my yeah, it's I mean, not if, my place. But if you're going to the – that's a different level. But you have to give them the basic, the basic con- instruction. Of From how, Scripture. Yes. You can say what Scripture says. Yes. Now, I do think then there is a time – and I think this is completely profitable and permissible at the same time – is if you do a purity class. Yeah. And so, like, um, like a Saturday you take off and you – you have guys go to one corner, girls go to another corner, and you teach some pretty thing, pretty hard things because you're very vocal about what this is going to be. So no, no parent can feel dishonored. Nobody can say, "I didn't know you was going to say that to my kid." Like, yeah. you know, and even in those moments, you're not going deep into details. You're talking about purity. You're talking yeah. about holiness. You're talking about yeah. um, all these things pertaining to the things that are going to be thrown at them sexually and other things. So. Because this conversation now shifted into Song of Solomon, which is more sexual in nature. Yeah. Because it's talking about the relationship of intimacy between yeah. um, Solomon and this woman. Yeah. But really, we know it's foreshadowing our relationship with Christ and how intimate it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and he is our beloved and, my, and I am his. But the conversation with now, what do we tell our kids? And how do, we're very, we should be pretty vocal with our own kids. Yeah. And with other kids, as, as far as we can, I think we need to be, but I think once it crosses that line, 
yeah. then we need to be honorable to their parents. I mean, I'll be honest though. I mean, I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent. I guess my thing is what they exposed me to when I was in high school. My parents didn't tell me about this. They didn't ask for approval. They just played it. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. It was health class. And there was things in the health class that was being discussed that my parent, my mom and I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And they was like, they snuck it in there. And so um, my thing is they're sneaking it in on kids and they're already, most of them probably have more of a, of a knowledge if they've been in public school about things more than probably their parents do because they're being exposed to it so much. And like I said, when I was in health class, I was like, whoa, this, I'm never, this, 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 what are we watching with mm-hmm. all the kids in the school? And the teacher's playing it like it's nothing. And I'm like, okay. this. When I go back and look at that, I don't want my kids watching that video in school. They didn't, But they didn't tell my mom. They didn't tell my dad. They didn't send a letter home saying, hey, this is what we're going to discuss today. They just played it. And it was like, okay. And so these kids are seeing all this stuff. So they're like, okay, well, this is what, if nobody's in keeping them into the, the line of where it needs to be, hey, this is godly. This is where we're supposed to go, guys, because they may have never heard it. And I think we have to put them on that path. And I, and I think that's what Aaron is saying. I'm not saying that you're not saying. I'm just saying they're being exposed to stuff every day more than we even imagine. Even, and maybe if your kid goes to private school, maybe not. But they might be from other kids. Mm-hmm. There's an influence from other kids that will expose them to things that and call me crazy. You know, maybe that's um, something I feel like maybe that needs to be put into alignment. Hey, kids, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not um, what you're seeing from your your friends or your groups uh, from school. If they're playing these, this is not how it should be. I mean, so I mean, but I but that's where. All right, so when whenever <coughs> President Biden made this remark a couple months ago, that your children are no longer your, yours; they're the children of this nation. Yeah. All right, we attacked that strongly because that's socialist True. Marxism. All right, so they're my children are not the nation's children. My children are my children. Amen. My children are also not the church's children. Yeah. They're my children. True. And what the church is there for is to give me the tools to parent in a godly manner. Yeah. And so the very thing that, the very reason I think that we have to be cautious of what conversations we have is actually you just proved my point. The public school system puts us into that predicament to where we've seen they overstepped their boundaries. Yes. And they created mess in our own children. And then our parents don't even know what the children are being taught, so they have no idea how to counteract that. True. So if I'm going to have to have a conversation or anything, that's why I always go to the parent because I want the parent to know what I'm talking about. True. But at the end of the day, it always should be the parent's responsibility to have no, that No, I agree with that. Every kid needs to hear the conversation. Yeah. I just don't think the conversation should come from a pastor or youth leader. I think the conversation should come from their parent. And now if they don't have parents stepping up, then that that's a different that's story. I guess that's where I'm, the but question that, is. But that happens a lot. But like, I still think you have to go to the parent and honor them. Yeah. Even if the parent's good parent or bad parent, there still has to be honor there. So what if they tell you no? What if they tell you no? I don't want you talking to them. Um, and then you see their what child. What if there's no way to get to their parent? Because there's some parent, some kids that just raise themselves, basically. Yeah. Um, or if they say no, I don't want you talking to my kid about it. I think it depends at that time what age they are. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if they tell you, no, I don't want you talking to my kid about it, and then you watch that kid walk through 
ungodliness through stuff he's doing how do you how do you not as a spiritual father to them or something how do you not say hey Hey, I see you on this path. You know, let me explain to you some stuff. All right. So, but, but the question here is a spiritual father. Yeah. All right. So, what is the task of a spiritual father? To to be a facilitator in getting Scripture to mold them into the image of Christ. Yes. That's our mission. Exactly. We can use in a broad painting stroke things such as sexual immorality. Yes. We can use things of, without a doubt. Don't be looking at pornography. These yeah. things are permissible. Okay. If you if you've only heard some of the conversations I know that I've heard youth pastors have had with their young adults, you'll hear I guess maybe to understand better why I'm careful on this. Because they get into depth. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's that to me I'm just looking at I think that's that's silly. I mean I if if I'm gonna talk to these kids I definitely like I was telling Hannah if if this child, ha- I'm going to have my wife there. Or I'm going to have a witness there. If there's a question about something they're having, now, like you said, if I go to the parent, or if we, if there's a, hey, let's go to your parents and let's talk to them before I start counseling you or whatever. Let's make sure they're okay with it. I get that. I'm I'm, I'm all about that. But I'm thinking, you always want a witness there. And I think these people who take it in and go depth in depth, they're wrong. They should have used more discernment than that. Yeah, it, it, you had to paint with a broad brush. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's where we've been getting at. But my thing is, anything that's in this Bible, if we're wanting our kids as Christian parents to read the Bible, they're going to read anything that's in here anyways. They have access to any scripture that's yeah. in this word. Mm-hmm. So they very easily can flip to Song of Solomon, read anything they want in there, and they're going to have questions about it. So I think at that point, when they flip to it, they read it, or if their friends are talking about it in church or whatever, these things happen then at that point but it, you're, it needs to be explained but you're talking about a kid who's in hunger trying to find scripture yeah. the reason that you have to be careful about going into depth with something like song of Solomon on a sunday morning is you've got a whole slew of people now i would preach from the song of Solomon. i wouldn't care to if the lord led me to preach from song of Solomon, i'm not like not doing it but what i'm saying is when you got a whole slew of people you have a lot of people that's not there for scripture or hunger True. they're just here because their parents made them and they're going to misinterpret. They're going to misconstrue because they're not seeking and they're not looking for truth. They're just hearing. And yeah. so now they're going to hear some things in Solomon Solomon and they're going to be like, hey, brother, look at this. And and they're going to misconstrue everything. So this is where it comes back to some things come with maturity. Yeah. I understand yeah. that for a Sunday more. I was more talking about the first question of should I discuss these things? Yeah. So we were talking about Song of Solomon just as an example of another thing that's in Scripture just like demons are in scripture. So that's what I'm talking about is whenever questions are, when we're pertaining to kids asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've had pretty open conversations with our kids. Um, Again, I try never to introduce them to things before they're ready. Um, Eliza, for example, is eight and she believes she's 18. And (laughs) so um, she tries to ask questions. I don't feel like she's ready to answer yet. So I actually don't answer some of them. I'm like, we're going to talk about that later. Um, and I think that's and every sometimes p- kids ask questions that aren't even really pertaining to the Bible. It's like extra details that you don't have to talk with. Them. Yeah, I'm just saying if they're asking about well, what is song? What's the purpose of Song of Solomon? Like, why is this in the Bible? You know, questions like that or general yeah. questions. I yeah. just think we need to be able to be ready 
to explain why this scripture is important. We don't have to go into all details with it, but I just know from experience, I would rather my kids be hearing teaching from me and hearing the things from me because I've had questions about things that I was so afraid to ask growing up because it was just never explained. And I would have been fine with them just being explained in a general term in a general way. And then, you know, if I had more in depth questions as I got older, going to someone that I trust to be able to explain those things. But see, that's for me, that's, that's never in question whether parents should be having these conversations with their kids. A hundred percent, I think we as parents have the great responsibility. Now, at three years old, <clears throat> you're probably not going to have the birds and the beats talk. All right. Mm-hmm. So those are that's where I say maturity comes in at, and even scripturally, how we think of things and think through things. The biggest question that's on the table was the other kids. It's not yours, yeah. and I do want to say this in the aspect of spiritual fathering and mentoring and stuff like this. The number one thing I have to remind myself sometimes is as much as I love these kids, as much as I want them to grow in Christ, there's some things I have to remind I'm not their parent. I may be a spiritual mentor. I may be a spiritual discipler, but I'm not their parent. And I don't want to turn the church world into another socialist Marxism things where, because really this is where we got cults at. (laughs) Whenever pastors and leaders cross the boundary. And now um, now there's excess of what Scripture gives you permissibility to. And a definition of a Christian cult is one who goes in excess of what Scripture gives you permission to do. And I think that at that point, you're, you, you have to be cautious. And I'm not saying if you have a wrong cult with somebody, you're a cult. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But if you study like Jim Jones, Jim Jones started out as a church. He started out as a pastor. He overstepped his boundaries. And then he kept going and kept going and kept mm-hmm. going and kept going. Manipulation, all these things. But all of it really started because he overstepped the boundaries. Jim Jones was a pastor way before he was a cult leader. I agree. Boundaries are definitely and good because we can't just say anything. Yes. But I just think it's good to still have the conversation. We mm-hmm. just might have to modify it. We uh, might have to generalize. We might have to not answer every question the kids are asking because kids can ask yeah. some crazy but it's, questions. And also, I mean, and I know we're going to take a break and get ready for Pastor Caleb, who's out in the hallway. He's ready to roll. Um, and I do think this this opens a really good door, though, because, like, the question Jacob asked, <coughs> if the parents are not there, they're being they're not engaged. And if Jacob goes to somebody and talks to the parent of that child, what would be our greatest hope from that conversation? Is it the parents kind of woke, woke, up, woke up a little bit? Like, yeah. Whoa, I'm okay. I'm, I didn't even know they were dealing with this. Like, I didn't even know this was an issue. They haven't even come to me. And then maybe we, in love and honor, can say, you know, they've been they've been asking some really hard questions, and they feel like they can't talk to you. It's it it might be time for you to have that conversation with them. It might be time for you to to discuss this with them, because the greatest thing would be God's greatest design is for the parent to be the parent. And if we as the church can equip the parent to be the parent, then we're meeting what God's really ordered mm-hmm. us to be. Because God's <clears throat> order was never us as pastors to be the parent. Yeah, We were to equip those to do the work of the ministry. And a ministry for us may be being a parent. And so my job as a pastor is not to parent your kids. My job as a pastor is to give you tools to parent your kid. Mm-hmm. And that would be the greatest mission of the church and the greatest accomplishment not that we're parenting every kid. It's that parents are parenting their own kid, and we as pastors and leaders are giving them the tools to do so. 
And this is why conversations like we just had for the last hour is profitable <laughs> and permissible because we do need to have those conversations. And there is a lot of resources out there to give you the tools and the ability to have these conversations with your children because some of them are awkward. Some of them are not popular. And here's the one thing I think, and we'll take a break after this, unless anybody else has something else they want to say, is you're not going to have all the answers. When you go into a conversation, a lot of parents don't have conversations with kids because they don't have all the answers. You'll never have all the answers. Um, I forgot. Maybe it was Eliza that had the question the other day that stumped us all theologically. Like, we could not figure out how to describe the Trinity to her. Hmm. But yet, didn't stop us from talking. Like, we tried. Uh, Trinity is something that I don't know if I can describe. I mean, I've been studying for 18 years, and it's still tough to describe. So, for an 8-year-old, that's still hard. We don't, we're not trying to get them to understand everything. We're just trying to introduce the conversation to get them thinking and processing what's going on. So, anybody else got anything before the break? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Good conversation. All righty. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, we don't have an answer for this <laughs> trivia question yet, so we will reread it and rerun it during this break. Again, this gets you in for three youth and two adult tickets to the Ark Encounter with parking included. How, how generous for Brother Greg to throw parking in there, too. Oh, I thought that was very man. thoughtful. Intentional. All right. I like that word, Hannah. And it was intentional and purposeful. We've talked about those large, the, th- the three ulls. Intentional, purposeful, and deliberate. No, not deliberal. <laughs> <laughs> what was the I, word? Actually, I think that is a word. Deliberal. Oh, that's cool then. Yes, got it. All right. We'll come back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Well, welcome back in there on this beautiful, beautiful November 29, 2023. What a day the Lord has made. This is a day that anything is possible because we serve a God who will take the impossible and make it possible every single time. So regardless of what you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever trial you are in, he is more than enough. He's always been more enough, and he's always going to be good more than enough. Amen. Well, we got, uh, we still got all the crew in here. Um, Jacob causing trouble. Uh, Miss Hannah trying to be the voice of reason and me just waiting to eat breakfast. Uh, <laughs> but we got Pastor Caleb in the house. He's coming here. Pastor Caleb, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Amen. So you are the, um, you just stepped in a lead pastor row at Faith, De- Faith Redeemed, which is in Litchfield, about a half a mile on the left past Taco Bell. Um, you're about 30 years of age and you have a small, uh, beautiful family. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I got my wife Haley. I think she's listening. So yep. Hey, hon. I miss Haley. It was wonderful to meet you the other day. Yeah, and then uh, my sister up in Michigan's listening. So I just want to say, what's up, Chelsea? It's good to good to have you aboard. Um, but yeah, my my family decided to come here from Detroit, Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's different. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a lot warmer. Which well, I'm you're in the for. promised land now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 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 been great. Uh, we we love our church. We love the people in our church. Uh, it's been a really smooth transition, and I didn't think it would be mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So I'm I'm very thankful for where God has brought us and and what's going on. Yeah, now it's warmer here than it is in Detroit, right? Oh yeah, we <laughs> just we just went home for Christmas. Uh, not Christmas, Thanksgiving. Sorry, I've got my days all messed up. Um, but it uh, it snowed on our way back. So <clears throat> we're uh, we're not looking forward to going home for Christmas and things like that. But uh, <laughs> you have to make those journeys. Our both of our families are up there. Yeah, within thirty minutes of each other. So oh, wow. we'll be there. 
So yep. <laughs> you might be celebrating Christmas in, in uh, the summertime because in <laughs> Kentucky it's horrible. Yeah, one time we yeah. had an ice storm and a tornado in the same week. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not very many places you can say that in. Ice storm and a tornado. I remember that. It was 2008, wasn't it? Oh, it was it's crazy. I, I mean, there's the weather here is so unbelievable. It's like you can wake up to 20-degree weather and then in the afternoon be 70. Yeah, go to the beach. Yeah. Um, all right, so tell us a little bit before we get into the vision where where you feel like the Lord's taken faith redeem. Tell us a little bit how you started into ministry, your calling, where you started, where you've been, and, and then we'll get to where you're going. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad, Church of God minister, uh, mm-hmm. my whole life, so I was raised in a pastor's home. Um, my sister, who's listening, is also a pastor now currently. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of where, where everything was, like, started, like, being in that environment, uh, having to be set apart, being a pastor's kid, things like that. Um, but God gave me a very individual call when I was trying to escape the church. Mm-hmm. My dad wasn't preaching that Sunday. There was a guest speaker, so I thought I could hide out with some friends, and I was helping him watch his kid in the nursery, and all of a sudden you heard the church say, where's Caleb? <laughs> so, of course, I took the walk of shame up the middle aisle. <laughs> and, uh, walk of shame. You know, they, he prophesied over me that God has, has a calling on my life, and, oh, and you know, I was 15, so I kind of just threw it out. Sure. And... Uh, kept doing my own thing and um i went to something called uh Winterfest, which is a like a big uh-huh. sort of event in mm-hmm. in tennessee and a few other different places and um god said uh, well not god but uh reggie dab said if god has a calling on your life but you don't know what it is the mission is the place for you so i joined a program called uh, mission florida which is a it's like a church of god master's commission i, I know what you're talking about yeah so i i was down there for three years um got my Got licensed in ministry at 19. Um, came back home, uh, started doing youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a part of that for 12 years. Served on uh, Michigan State Youth Board. Uh, really have a big heart for youth. Yeah. Uh, so I, I even tell uh, I even tell my congregation. I mean, like things are going to get childish and it's going to get really weird. You know, <laughs> but, we're, but we're just going to go along for the ride. Uh, and since last Sunday, I preached on a lot of people want the title, but they don't want the weight. And sure. I had one of our uh, members jump on my back. Yeah. To talk about how we don't want to carry the weight that comes with the title, but we yeah. want to put a title on it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I don't know, man. I just I just have a heart for for seeing that light bulb click on, especially in teenagers. Like that was a, that was always big for me, but I felt, um, towards the end there, um, I'm turning 31, uh, this week, I think Thursday. Um, so God was just like, Hey man, I'm, I'm doing something new. It's going to look different. And, uh, when we came here, um, I, you know, I was trying to get out of it as, as all possible because you think, because you think it's like, man, my my family's not here mm-hmm. like this. So I said, I am not coming, God, unless I get a hundred percent of the vote. <laughs> and my and my dad said, that doesn't happen. That's ridiculous. You're being a big baby. And I and I said, I know. And uh, you know, just being absolutely as ridiculous as you can. Um, I preached and I was ready to get in the car and drive home and get a phone call on whether or not what happened, if we got it or not. And uh, he said, wait here. So now I'm not even on my way back home. I'm just in a nursery and I'm like, (laughs) oh no. 
And uh, Rico, let me leave. I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, some of the members started visiting me and and my wife out there in the nursery, and they're like, "We're excited for you guys." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know, you know." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, I remember Steve Oliver coming to us, and he said, "Congratulations, you got 100 percent of the vote." And my wife's eyes got huge, and she's like, I "Told you we're moving to Kentucky," <laughs> and uh, wow. now we're here. So, yeah. but um, I don't. I don't regret it for a second. Mm. Um, it was f- everything that I said to kind of get out of it was very fear driven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people of that place, man, like if you say we need to do something, we need to get this done, man, they're right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that doesn't that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the people we have are awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm um, shout out to the Faith Redeemed folks. I love you. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're great people. Yeah, yeah. They are great people. Um, I know that um, that church has a lot of rich history. There's a lot of tears and prayers have been sown into that place, and um, I just I'm, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in and through you guys and Faith Redeemed. And some people may say, "What's Faith Redeemed?" It is formerly known as Litchfield Church of God, yeah. and it's a lot of people know that <clears throat> by that name still. Um, but Faith Redeemed is the new name, and um, I guess that was changed probably about six, seven years ago, probably at this point. Yeah. Um, Brother Rick and them, I think, got that done. And um, I just, I'm so excited for you guys, so excited for the church. Um, it looks great. Uh, I, was, I had the opportunity to come down and see it the other day, and it looked absolutely phenomenal. Painted the wall black, and y'all got your all's cross covered yet? Uh, actually, that is coming in Friday. Um, okay. And uh, Brother Steve has been very helpful, and so has Brother Butch. Uh, those guys, I don't know how to make anything. I'm just gonna be honest. I just have the I just have the vision, and I try to surround myself with people who know what they're doing, and try to learn some things along the way. Uh, so, but it's been it's been it's been great, and I uh, I know by not uh, not this Sunday, but hopefully by next Sunday we should be live streaming too. Yep. Uh, so you know, come check us out and check us out online on Facebook and. And we'll be ready to hopefully have you guys come out and visit sometime. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about the vision moving forward. So we know the church has a rich history. We know that God's going to do great things. Now we kind of know where you came from. Mm-hmm. Tell us where you're going. Tell us where the church is going. What's, what's the vision? What's the heartbeat? Well, here, here's the crazy thing, because a lot of the times when you walk into a church, people are like, okay, pastor, what's the vision day one? Mm-hmm. I've never been to Kentucky. I drive through Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's that's the thing. And it's... So you you expect me to come in there when I'm from Detroit and just have vision day day one, you know? So at first I did come down there, loads of ideas. I was going to change the name. I was going to do all this stuff, you know, loads of vision, right? All of that changed. All of that changed once I got to know the people a little bit better, once I got to see their hearts, once I got to see where where the church kind of was sitting to understand what, what its needs were and where it needed to go. And... Just in uh, just in conversations with the people, um, a lot of them have you know experienced church hurt, um, and 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 it, it's real church hurt. Uh, like I, I've seen people who say church hurt is just them being held accountable. That's something completely <laughs> different. That's that's not <laughs> you know that's not true. But like the the different stories and things that I've heard um, have have absolutely been from a from a real place, and and they just wanted a, a soft spot to to heal and to be in the in the work of the ministry again um and you know i 
I have a I have a few things here. I mm-hmm. I felt like I was trying to get pre- really prepared for this because I you know I I never been on anything like this before. So thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. That's fun. Um, but I just felt like the Lord was telling me that God is doing a new thing at Faith Redeemed. Um, so Isaiah forty three eighteen and nineteen. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I, I just feel like God wants us to be that road or the river he makes for people. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think that that is kind of where we're going with this church. Like, I want us to be a place where you fall in love with your Savior again. Like, I want this church where the lost feel welcome, where people who have given up on God or the church can find him again. And most importantly, you know, being a pastor's kid, walking up to the altar, like, every head turns because they expect you to just be 100% perfect. But what that has created in the church is we have people who have been serving in the church who maybe have fallen, you know, or have sinned or have made mistakes, but they don't want people to know because they've been leading worship for 40 years that that they slipped up last Tuesday. You know, I I want this to be a church where uh, believers who feel disconnected from God can escape the worries of what people are going to think about them when they hit the altar. So we're going for people who are tired of putting on their Sunday best when they're broken. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's where we're headed. We want a real authentic pursuit of God. So the vision is going to be a fresh start to build again. Mm-hmm. That, that's, where, that's where we're headed. So you, if you've been following God for five minutes or 60 years, uh, we can always find something that we built up wrong, whether it be in our thinking, our theology, you know, what, whatever. We, we have built something up wrong. This is going to be a place where you can tear it down, start again and build things the right way. Mm. So that's that's kind of where, where we're headed. So, I mean, if if you've been struggling with anything like that, we, we want to be a home for you. We want to be a safe place for you. Um, you know, uh, we, t- we talked about five-fold ministry on Sunday, and um, those gifts are, are important for the church, at, but those people are supposed to be leading the people of God to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. So I said, it, it's not on my shoulders to do the work of the ministry. It's the church's. I just have to get you ready, which is exactly what you were saying on yeah. the way in here. Um, so it was cool how, how that kind of lined up. But uh, I want them to feel like they can be safe in their call without hurting people. I had a pastor one time say, hey, we don't want people prophesying all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? Amen. So I Amen. I told them, like, hey, I wait for God to speak to me, like, two or three times on a certain subject, and I, I'm still going in there. And I even, when I go up to people, I say, does that make sense after I'm done? Because I'm not here trying to say something over their life and it not be what God actually mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I want it to be a place <coughs> where people can develop those <coughs> gifts, trust trust that God is telling them, walk in it, but also be humble enough to know that we can sometimes get in the way and to not hurt people to walk in and say, thus saith the Lord, because a lot of people saying, thus saith the Lord, when they've never even read their Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're trying to eliminate that and make that like a very um, relaxed environment to learn who he's called you to be and to walk in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, we was actually preaching a lot of the similar things Sunday morning um, about some things and talking about because um, I use Galatians six one quite a bit. It's one of my favorite verses. Him who has been overtaken in trespasses, or as ESV, ESV, I think the words it, him who has fallen from spirituality, him who is spiritual, restores such a one with the spirit of gentleness. 
And I think that's so vital to the church today because we have tre- we have created a very toxic church culture where nobody gets healed. They only get improved and covered. And um, I love that in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was cover themselves with victory, which always represented religion. They've always covered themselves with the works and always covered themselves <laughs> with the religion. And the father still comes down and says, Adam, where are you? And Adam's like, oh, I'm covered. But yet God still sees them. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love how then we have this journey of unraveling us from the fig leaves. And Jesus actually comes in and curses the fig leaves because he's cursing the religion we're trying to hide behind. And it's supposed to die. And we keep on trying to resurrect it. Because the ultimate thing is for us to be made whole. But we'll never be made whole if we never make ourselves available to be made whole. And we keep trying to hide behind our works. And mm-hmm. it never works. And um, I went through a season to where to get real healing, I had to stop preaching because I was hiding behind the microphone. I was taking the microphone and using that that as my excuse not to get healed. And so I went through about a six-month period where I had to learn to be a son before I learned to be a pastor because that's all I've ever been since I was born again, preacher, preaching, preaching. I had to learn how to be a son. And I, I love your heartbeat behind that. You're, you're trying to get people to wholeness and to, to healing and restoration and to find out who they really are in Christ. Because until you know that, you can't build. <coughs> right. So I love that heart. Right. And I, I love I love that Adam and Eve story because I, I always <laughs> I always put a spin on it. Guys, like, you can stop me at any time. I'm sorry because no. I get really excited about stuff. Well, keep going. Um, but what happens when you mess with a snake? You get bit, mm-hmm. right? So it does two things. You know, it, it injects venom into you and it leaves behind scars, right? So the only one who can heal us from that that weight of sin from from that venom that's attacking us is the lord but we're too busy to let anyone see that we have scars on us we're too busy to uh, too worried that people are going to say oh man you know brother caleb's been messing with snakes you know <laughs> or, or or pastor aaron's been and you know uh, disclaimer: We do not handle snakes. Let me just start. <laughs> let me just start off. Don't about to. I saw the basket. I no, saw no, the basket. it's not there. It's not there. I. That was that was we a pre. That was a that was a prerequisite. <laughs> I said there better not be snakes here. Um, before I signed on, because I am. Was ter- that a Kentucky shot? That that a hundred percent was a Kentucky shot. I was like, I don't know. Maybe every church does That's this. An uh, okay. That's an Eastern. Okay. <laughs> That's Eastern. Okay. 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 Well, we do not. We do not. Um, but but people people hide when when there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, um, and he. It's just crazy because everything until that point ended with the period. The first person to ask a question was Satan, and the question created doubt, mm-hmm. and and doubt caused God's people to fall. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just trying to build our faith around that, knowing that even though we might have made a mistake, that we've fallen from grace, that we got bit, that the only one who can heal us, we better stop hiding from. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's why I said like I'm I'm coming after the people who've been in church forever. And and just are serving, but feel like they can't have a real relationship with Christ again because it'll embarrass them. Mm-hmm. Like I care more about what God thinks about me than I'll ever care about what anyone else thinks about me. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll be the first one in that altar space, even as your pastor, because it's important mm-hmm. to know that we have a relationship with Him and we're in right standing with Him before we ever try to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So I. I, I don't know. I I don't know if that's hitting anyone out there, but I 
if you're if you're looking for a place, we we're hoping that we can be that place. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, find healing and wholeness, and um, and I think that we as believers have to get very authentic, real, and raw about some things. And um, well, that was the word that the Lord showed me last week. He said. I feel like we're this generation that God is raising up are those who come back to their first altar and those who actually are there like when Abraham came back to his altar first altar. It's 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 like we're going back to the the where we were when God saved us and did something in our heart and we were changed. I feel like so long people they go through the church world and they just they forget but that when you first got saved, you want to tell everybody about Jesus. You wanted to, you didn't care. Lord, just send me. Do whatever you want to do. And then, then we get churchified. I guess the word I'm looking for. And I feel like people got lost in that. I told a guy the other day. I said, "Man, you need to go back to your first altar." I said, "I'm not saying go back to the beginning and and start all over again. I'm just saying, your heart, get your heart back to that first altar. Just lay it on the lay it on the altar again and come back to where you were once." on fire for God yeah. and, and give that. And I see that genera- a generation arising that is taking over the pulpits and, and they're getting people to, to look at that, you know, yeah. for people who's been in church, like you said, for five minutes or, or 50 years. The, 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 I hate saying it, but it was an indictment against the church. It was like, where did we, where were we going? Yeah. You know, I mean, we were ordaining pastors who are homosexuals in the pulpit in some churches now. And I'm like, what, where, how did we get here? And so, I didn't mean to blab on that, but that's, that's just yeah. where I'm, that's I, awesome. I think we've just come to a place where we have put glory and honor on our callings and on our servanthood mm-hmm. before we put it on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's the reason why we even have those things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just realigning. I, I think there, we just all need a little bit of a realignment mm-hmm. in, in our services and yeah. we're there for him. We, we do this and we serve not to be seen. Uh, not so people are like, man, that Pastor Caleb's something else. No, I am a sinner saved by grace without him. <coughs> That's it. Yeah. Like the, without, without him, I'm, I'm some punk kid from Detroit. Sure. You know, that that's yeah. just what I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be, um, preaching his word. I wouldn't be standing in the gap for these people. I, we need to make we need to realize and and just come from a place of humility again that that this isn't the this isn't the us show yeah yeah you know amen well religion's done a really good job of teaching us is about our hand yeah. because religion deals with the hand the kingdom came and deal with the heart because ezekiel says he's going to give you a new heart and a new spirit yep and so Jesus came and did, Jesus said himself said that. He said, I'm not dealing with your hand, I'm dealing with your heart. Because it was said of old, if you, t- what, if you touch a woman, it's adultery. I'm telling you, if you lust after it. What was yeah. he really doing? He's saying, religion teaches you the hand, I'm yeah. giving you the heart. Mm. And, um, and I love that because the heart starts to deal with the intrinsic things that has to be transformed by the power of God. The hand can be changed for a season mm. by moral fortitude and a resolve and a tenacity and i'm going to strap up my boots and go for that you'll never do that to your heart right. it takes a supernatural encounter to change your heart you can have a man-made religion that changes your hand for a season though and i love i love how this conversation is going i love the heartbeat i love your heart around this um, for healing and wholeness and for people to find a home that's been our slogan for a while now like we want this place to be a home to the fatherless 
one thing I want to say to you too, brother, that I'm I'm seeing in the spirit too, that one thing we've been praying about for a while now, and especially my own self, is God put people in place in churches around us where they have the vision not of their own church but of the city yeah. because we're asking God for the cities. And one church can't do it. We have to have a people who see and sharpen each other. Right. But for cause so for so long we've had separation of churches because we uh, we have disagree on some silly issue. Now if it, if it's foundational, you know that's different. But just you know, well, should we have this carpet or this carpet? And or, or we're worried about every little thing other than the hearts of man. Yeah. And I said because at the end of the day, when the fire's burning. There ain't gonna be nothing left but people. Yeah, and that's the church. It is not the building. And I think what I see is happening is God is generally putting people in place in different. He, you didn't even realize that God pulled you out of Detroit because He knew something was gonna happen in the state of Kentucky yeah. that, that we've been praying for for years. And not saying anything about Kentucky, but there's been so much prophecy over this. God is having to pull people from different places because He's generally putting an army together because of what he wants to do through this state. I mean, we just had a, 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 a thing a while back. This this man, he's from Georgia, the um, Pastor Lance. Lance. Yeah. He said he's seen something over the state of Kentucky. He said, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about the, the, the God has said there's something strategic about this state. And, you know, there's 120 counties in the state of Kentucky, and there was a prophecy given about the 120 in the upper room. So I believe that what God's doing through you, brother, and and you stay you stay the way you are. Don't let nobody change you, and and because what God's doing is strategically putting you in, into this place right now to take the heart of city of Litchfield, and and that's what you know we start you start off with the church, but lean upon others because the God's going to use you in a mighty way. I believe that. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about the service times, what y'all got going on. We got about two or three minutes left here. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Uh, so right now uh, we have service at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Uh, I believe it's 1548 Anetta Road, Litchfield, Kentucky. Um, like he said, you just go through the city, pass the Taco Bell. It's on your left. <laughs> <laughs> we we work off of restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, no shame in that, man. Me too. I, I was always told never to trust fast food from a gas station, though. So I'm like, nah, there's like two of them in town. Well, I don't know if you trust Taco <gasps> Bell anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but... We love Taco Bell. <laughs> that's fair. They don't love me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but that's that's Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Uh, Wednesday night we meet at 6 um, p.m. And, and what we're doing there as of right now, eventually I'm hoping that we can spread out and do small groups and, and change how we do things on Wednesday. Um, but right now we're just going through the fruit of the spirit, and it's more discussion-based, and it's relaxed environment. Um, where we're Sunday, it's your normal service. You know, you got worship, you got the word. And and then we just let God do his thing throughout that. So, mm-hmm. um, again, Sundays at 11, Wednesdays at 6. We'd love to see you. Amen. You got Facebook connecting there? Yeah, uh, faith, uh, Facebook is Faith Redeemed Church of God. Um, and then my name is Caleb Weaver. So if you just want to add yeah. me there, you're more than welcome to. And, uh, you know, I'm from Detroit, so I'm half hood, half holy. So uh, <laughs> pray with me, don't play with me, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> he will lay hands. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's good. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's been exciting and an honor to get to, to meet you and know you and excited for what God's going to do. Um, I will have to bring come back on soon 
and talk about what's going to go on in April. I think that's going to be amazing. It's going to be go ahead and shoot the dates off. Oh yeah, so April twenty fourth through the twenty eighth, um, I have a my brother and sister are coming down to lead worship, uh-huh. so I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. He's preaching night one, and then I'm doing something that most pastors would tell you would be dangerous and never do. I'm bringing in former pastors to preach the revival. Oh wow! Oh That's my awesome. goodness! Wow! And then I'm bringing in a pastor who's almost in town, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm almost in town. (laughs) So, so they're, they're all coming out. These are really great men of God. I've been watching them on, uh, uh, Facebook lives and, and our church really loves these former ministers and pastor Aaron who, who grew up in that church. Um, so we're excited to have them all come back. And and again, that's going to be in April. Uh, so we're a small church, but we have extra chairs. So feel free to <laughs> yep. to bring everyone out uh, April 24th uh, through the uh, 28th. And there will be more, you know, more information to follow as we get closer. Good stuff. Well, we're out of here for today. Um, we're out of time. Stay tuned for Raise a Hallelujah with Jeannie Shelburne and Karen Shrewsbury at 9. Live prayer here for a season with Miss Hannah at 930. You can get your information, prayer requests submitted by the radio. or And then we have Home Church with Johnny Embry at 10 o'clock. Um, exciting again. Pastor Caleb, Faith Redeemed, about a half a mile on your left past Taco Bell on the way to Annetta from Litchfield. Um, great things happening. Great things are in store. God's going to move. Um, and I'm just so excited to see what God's going to do in and through Pastor Caleb and Faith Redeemed there in Litchfield, Kentucky. We love you guys. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.